Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burse, LCSW, and I am joined today by Mikey Doucette. I'm so excited. Our paths crossed on Instagram, and he has started sharing his foster care experience, which we are so thankful for, and today he's going to share it with us. So thank you so much, Mikey, for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm grateful to be a part of the podcast and conversation. Absolutely. So let's just talk about a little bit about who you are, how you got to where you are today, just for starters. Yeah, so I am currently employed with a home builder in Hammond, Louisiana. Uh, I am married. I married to a beautiful wife. We've been together for over 10 years now and incredibly happy to be in the second home that we've most recently built. And now that I'm in a season of awareness and healing, I want to be able to give back with my story and journey. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with things. That's amazing. So what is it about your story, your growing up story that you felt like, okay, I really think, you know, after I've done some healing around this, I want to share what is, what what was like your story like growing up? So one of them, it's been one heck of a journey within this past year. I, so I've rekindled relationships. One of the reasons that I'm really grateful for you is that you shared a post with uh, two siblings that are your children, right? Uh, and that's a very powerful, powerful thing to see. Um, I've recently been able to rekindle a relationship with my brother, um, whom I haven't seen for probably 15 to 20 years of my life. And we each have our own journey. I'm the oldest of four. And when we hung out one night, it was really late. He talked about how he got adopted when he was 12 years old. And, you know, a lot of things didn't make sense to me as I'm on this healing journey, as I'm learning. I didn't realize that I was placed in legal guardianship and custody um, after a year of being in care and foster care. Um, and whenever I got placed in legal guardianship and custody, I didn't quite understand what that means. And as an adult, I really understand what that means. But when I was placed in legal ship and ship, uh, legal guardianship and custody, Within a year or two or three of living with my grandfather and his wife, um, they placed me with another family. And when I learned about all of this, that family led to another family, which led eventually back to my biological parents through not the actual regulated system. Um, when I learned about all of that, I felt the need to give back and be passionate and give awareness on the fact that there are holes in the net with legal guardianship and custody. And when I found out that I was placed with these families through court documents that showed that the court did not grant the right for that to happen, it was like mind blowing. And it's still mind blowing to this moment to know that um, the state, as well as my legal guardian, who was my grandfather, um, kind of went around the system and did what he needed to do to where I wasn't going to be in their care. So that's kind of where I'm at today in this healing journey, uh, learning and discerning. And I feel like there could be thousands of others like me out there. And I think that if I could speak about it and just be open and give awareness, especially at my age where um, I didn't see many, many men talking about things, especially regarding foster care in the system. And I feel like it was time. I think it was divine. It was it was part of my 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 time to give back. Well, it's so amazing to me, and I'm very thankful as a foster and adoptive mom just to always hear, you know, from those who have lived experience in the system. But 
you know, your story is really unique and interesting, at least as far as I've heard so far. And that's why, you know, additionally grateful for that. Um, how old were you when you were um, first placed with your grandfather? So I was first placed in foster care at the age of eight and went through two foster families. Uh, first was with my brother. And then the second uh, was shortly after when I got placed with my grandfather, I was nine. Right. So about nine years old uh, from nine years old until it's all kind of like a mixture of how do I formulate a story unless I have like pictures, which I don't have. Or um, now with social media, you could probably look back and be like, this is what happened on my journey. So I'm trying to piece it together. But at nine years old, I was placed with my grandfather. Uh, so about nine years old until, I don't know, I think I might have been 12, maybe 13 years old. And that's whenever all these other places uh, happened. Okay. And then were you all in the same state together or was there ever out of state travel? There was out of state travel on my end, actually. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I thought about that earlier. I was kind of like talking, uh, like I was trying to rehearse a little bit and be like, is this kind of what happened? And so, yes, uh, I was actually, whenever I was in the second placed family through my grandfather, who I thought was like my social worker, uh, the second family was actually um, out of state or the third family rather was out of state in Texas. Uh, it was actually my, my grandmother's or my mother's mother and her abusive alcoholic boyfriend uh, that I was, that I lived with in Texas where no one really knew where I was at, you know, or knew what was going on. So yes, I did cross state lines. Uh, my brother eventually crossed state lines because he got adopted, I believe in Alabama. I'm sorry, in Arkansas. And, um, but that's a different story because he got adopted. So that was a different process. Was that ever on the table for you adoption with any placement that you were in? Because you said you ended up back with your biological parents eventually. Yes, uh, they weren't together at the time and they've never been together since we were children. Um, that's a unique story in and of itself of being from either the mother's side or the father's side. And it's all kind of twisted and I'm learning daily. Um, but whenever, whenever I was in Texas, it just, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense that I'm living with my family, but yet I still have this last name that's my mother's maiden name. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really a part of any family because when I live with them, whenever it was too much for them, they would kick me out and then I would be living with somebody else. And I couch surfed a good bit too. So it's like, you're never really identified with any family because you didn't get the opportunity to be adopted. And I think that's part of the reason that I'm talking about things too, because it could have been different, right? It could have been where if the due process or whatever it was in place where maybe I could have been adopted, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't be where I'm at today, but at the same place, it's like there could have been an adoption process. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so intrigued to hear you say that there's just, I mean, there's so, so many people and everyone's experience is different in the system. Some people say, you know, oh, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm glad I wasn't adopted or, oh, I wish I was adopted. And it's kind of like you said, like you wouldn't be where you are today had your story not been what it is, but it's, you're, you're right. It sounds like there's something in you that kind of hoped for that, you know, permanency that wasn't given to you as a kid. Yeah. So I'm navigating all that today. I don't have any contact with any of my biological family uh, other than my siblings. And it's because I choose not to. Uh, I don't want to be in the surroundings of them and and have any of that experience. I recently had a conversation with my grandfather about everything and he claims to not remember and says that he did the best that he could. But being at my age, 
it's like I don't have any family other than my wife's family, right, by choice, but also by a lack of acceptance and that that adoption, right? Like I would have loved to have had a family to where I can call right now and be like, hey, this is what I'm going through in my life. I love you. Um, you know, what feedback do you have for me right now? I'm going through all these things. What can you help me with? And I think that that's something that I'm missing because of what experience I went through. Yeah. So what was it like for you when you and your wife got married and you like all of a sudden had this family after like maybe not having one for a while? Oh man, I love it. Uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Uh, you know, when I moved out here where I live, it was very, it was an amazing journey because uh, I got accepted into a university, met a really good friend uh, in college, and he was like, come live with us. So that's why I'm here now is because of a friend that I met in college was like, hey, man, you can live out here. Uh, I was probably 18 or 19 at the time. And I met her when I was working at a local gym and the rest is history. You know, this community out here is my family now and my friends are my family and her family's my family. So that was a very, I'd say, miraculous moment given the circumstances and the fact that we're still together today and her family accepts me like I'm similar. I'm like their child. You know, it's it's a very powerful moment. So thank you for asking that. It's it's uh, it's an amazing moment whenever you give all the time, energy and effort to a relationship and it's continuous and there's love there. Mm, whoa, that's. That's it right there. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to cry. Oh, <laughs> yes. come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So was it difficult for you to be vulnerable? Like, so, you know, with your wife, when you guys were dating, when you were together, like, how was that for you as someone who had maybe had some potentially, you know, traumatic things happen in life ahead of that around relationships and family? Yeah. I think one of the things that have given me, um, acceptance with my wife and others is that emotional intelligence is, you know, whenever you grow up in those situations, I don't want anyone to feel let down. I don't want anyone to feel like I didn't give them the, my best. And that includes my wife or others. So the, the trauma aspect, I kind of shelved it, right. I just disassociated, like there were comments or conversations and, you know, and, and I'm currently like, there were nights when I would drink too much or things of that nature, because I'm trying to refrain from all of that emotional baggage. Um, you know, so there were moments, I'm not saying it's this peachy story that everything was perfect. Um, being honest, you know, it's, but with that being said, within these most recent years, we've both understood each other on a different level emotionally, um, just to where I can open up more, be more vulnerable, and that took a lot of feeling on my own to be able to be that kind of man for her, to be vulnerable, to let her know I'm going through these things. And uh, and now we're in a good place uh, continuously. Right. So it's it's been a it's been a blessing for her to be open and listen. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think it's like to me, too, as a foster and adoptive mom, like I think I hear sometimes not as much anymore, but like before we adopted our kids, like just like the like chattering of like oh you know this this might be too much or they might have you know significant issues and I'm like hey mm -hmm. you know what every kid might have significant issues like we don't need to it's not because of this or that and like thanks for your judgment and I think people meant well but at the same time mm -hmm. it's like it's just really empowering and, and powerful to hear stories of like people such as yourself are like I came through like oh. really hard times I was resilient despite the fact that like I wasn't adopted and guess what 
I had this beautiful marriage now. It is like healthy and whole and it's been a process and a journey and it wasn't perfect, but here we are like working hard every day. It's like stay committed and make it work. And I think that's just a beautiful like example of, you know, it just putting in the work and, and being willing, you know, to like commit to someone that way. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. That means a lot. And I'm sure she'll listen to this and be and be grateful that I shared. So thank you. Yeah. So Mikey, what made you decide like, okay, I might start sharing some of this on Instagram. Like what made you feel like, yes, I would like other people to know, you know, bits and pieces of my story. And I think it could maybe help people. I think I really wanted to be a part of a community. Um, you know, I think uh, there's, I mean, we all, if, if we're in this, we kind of understand the data that there's 440,000 out there currently or roughly. And even in my state, there are 4,000 foster children. Um, and it was, it was a very powerful thing to say, I'm part of that community, even as an adult. And there are others who are like me. And I think it's, it was kind of a divine thing for me to say, it's time for you to give back, uh, to share on Instagram. I think it's great because I work for a home builder and I help families with their homes. And I think I wanted to get myself out there a little bit more. I wanted to say that I'm much more than just a career. I'm much more than just this. I have a story and I'd like to share that story with the world. And I feel like a lot of people need good right now in the world with everything that's going on on a daily basis. And if I can give back through my story of how it was tragedy and how I've triumphed over it all, I think that's what motivated me to do it. I do eventually see myself speaking to millions of people at some point and giving back with my voice, right? If God's given me this opportunity for me to speak and be very well at it with, with my career and, and everywhere else, why wouldn't I give it a shot? Why wouldn't I say, hey, I'm here. I'm a servant. I want to give back. I want others to know. And I want to make the the process of foster care and legal guardianship and custody and conservatorship or whatever it may be better. Uh, and I think it takes it takes something like that to 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 put yourself out there and be incredibly vulnerable and just tell the truth. Yeah, I think that is so powerful. And I think there's nothing more powerful than someone living their truth and speaking their truth and what happened to them. And that's amazing. And it's so beneficial to all of us. So thank you. Um, what is something that you wish like what is something that you could have if you could have changed about your journey? Like conservatorship or guardianship like what would have changed for you if like this one thing was different maybe things would have looked a little smoother or easier for me growing up i i wish there were probably somebody that would have represented me legally yeah. um i think that would have you know I, I recently became an advocate through costs and i think it was one of the most powerful journeys for me it was around it was in 2020 and that was a heck of a time um, but I really cared and I gave it everything I could, but I also think that it opened up a lot that I had been kind of shelving, like disassociate, disassociate, disassociating with, I apologize. And I think it just brought me currently to where I'm at. Um, so yeah, if I, if I go off a little bit, it's not purposefully, it's that I was oh, feeling yeah, that for a moment. Right. So Absolutely. I, I hope that others would, would know that when I talk, talked about it earlier, being vulnerable about everything, it's also part of me feeling those things too, like in real time. So if by a second there, I went off track, I do apologize. Well, I was you're experiencing it. <laughs> that's, I mean, like, okay, and that's so, the thing too. No, go ahead. Okay. So what was your question again? I want to be very, uh, yeah, yeah. I just, be... 
if there is something that could have been different, one thing could have been different for you. Uh, you said having someone represent you would have been powerful. Is there anything else that you feel like would have made a difference in how your in how your you know development happened as an adolescent, as a as a child? Yeah, I would have wished to have seen my brother more. I think I think it's very important um, to have your siblings in your life. And while I may have been able to see one of my sisters and I was an influence in her life, it just would have been nice to know growing up that there was someone else like me that was experiencing the same thing. So if there were legal representation or somebody there to, to be mindful of the fact that, hey, he has a sibling and it might be okay for him to visit somehow, some way that it's structured. I think it would have been amazing. You know, in foster care, we got that, right? So you take a kid who's in care, who gets that continuous visitations. And then you take that away, right? So what was I supposed to think or know? If that would have been in place for me to have visited with my brother or even anyone else, maybe not my mother or anything, but my brother at least, you know, just one of my mm -hmm. siblings, something. So I think yeah. that would have been great too. Thanks for asking that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, you know, that's tugs at my heartstrings just as, you know, a mama who has, has bio siblings um, adapted out of foster care. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it is so important that that connection, that any connection we can keep, it sounds like is, you know, very important. So that's good. Good feedback for sure. And with that, is Thank there you. anything for like foster and adoptive parents that we should know coming from where you're coming from and just like, hey, be mindful of this as foster parents or, hey, you should know this as adoptive parents? I think I can share earlier. I was I was reflecting on it. I think when I first got in care, there was a routine that I had in place, even if I wasn't structured with it or anything like there wasn't any kind of structure in my own home right through the abuse and neglect and trauma. Um, but there was a thing that I did and it was every Saturday morning. It was a it was it might have been the only pleasantry or joy that I had. Right. It was I got to wake up and I would go right in front of the TV and watch Saturday morning cartoons. So I think if, if something like that were something that the child had done previously, I think that if there was something that they really loved and maybe that was their only safety, maybe the parents weren't aware of that. Maybe they didn't know. And, and I, and I think that's okay because they're learning and growing too. Um, but they were trying to make me something that maybe would have taken a little more time. Um, so I think that would be great. And also think, I, I think that what you're doing is phenomenal because I think mental health for even the foster parents is very important, right? I think uh, if we take care of ourselves, then we can take care of others. That's uh, what I've been doing in my own life, but I think others could benefit from that too. So mental health, um, give yourself space, give yourself time, breathe, relax, go back at it. Because as a foster child and other foster children, we've experienced so much trauma, right? And we're probably not understanding it all and we don't want to put it on you, maybe, uh, but just give yourself that time and that patience and space and mental health. And if you can do that, then the child will probably receive that and pick it up. Mm -hmm. oh, that's such a good reminder. I love that. That's literally like why I started doing this work. When I <laughs> first became a foster mom, I was about six weeks in and just, we had no idea, really just none. I mean, we could, we did our classes and I'm a social worker and a clinician and my husband's a teacher. I thought like we, we are pretty well prepared <laughs> to be foster parents and it was like six weeks in at a case review meeting. And I was like, there was people there that I didn't know were going to be there that were then saying that like they were going to be the plan. And I was like, wait, what? Like my head was just like spinning. And I was just yeah. like still trying to get my bearings as a parent to this baby. 
And it was, it was pretty wild. So I think that's when I realized, you know, Hey, mental health is so important. Like we have to take care of ourselves as foster parents so that, as you said, we can show up for these kids who need the best version of ourselves. Like they do and they, and they deserve it. Y'all are incredibly strong. So I think uh, for a person to open up their home to a child, that's not even their biological child is phenomenal and I'm grateful for it. So thank you for doing what you do. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I want people to be able to follow you and learn from you online. So where can they best connect with you? Uh, I'm on Instagram under Mikey Doucette, M-I-K-E-Y-D-O-U-C-E-T. I'm on YouTube. Uh, started uh, a series called Divided Voices that is kind of a conversation of myself against myself, which is neat. Cool. And I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I'm trying to keep it simple now. If I get, because I've got a normal life outside of all this, uh, but those three platforms would be where you could reach me and see what I'm, what I'm speaking about. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure that we link all that up in the show notes. And thank you again for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you. I appreciate your time.